Namo tassa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa Udang dhammang sanghang namasami So the third major reference point for mindfulness, in this case it's mindfulness accompanied by uh, ardency, ardor, a sense of keenness, and by sampajanya, or full awareness, or alertness, or savvy, (laughs) something that can receive and adjust. Yeah, so mindfulness itself is the bearing something in mind. It's like just holding something with no particular pressure, but just holding it carefully, staying with that. So it counteracts agitation and distractedness. Sampajanya, full awareness, is that which is measuring, taking it in, sensing it, and sensing you know, which. What's the meaning of all this? What's this about? Uh, Does mindfulness need to be adjusted? So it's a wisdom faculty. So it's not panic or or desire. It's just, well, I think we need to widen a little bit here or focus in on that particular aspect. So in the cultivation that's outlined in Satipatthana, you have these three faculties working together, that ongoing sense of enthusiasm, aspiration, vigat, or called tapas, atapi, you know, you're up, you're there with it. And uh, mindfulness, that which bears something in mind associated with the word to remember, to, to stay with it, ability to hold it. And in Sampajanya, full awareness, the ability to take in the meaning, supervise, get the feeling, comp- learn. You know? So these three working together. And the third, uh, the third so you had the body, placing that in the body, on feeling, and thirdly on mind, fourthly on dhammas or the systems and processes that are pivotal to awakening or to deepening delusion and ignorance, so it's the pivotal factors. So, so these were, I would call these all fields rather than particular objects in that when we Mindfulness of body could be, you know, the elements, any of the four elements. It's not one thing, it's a whole cluster of, of things, you could say, or energies. Um, and you just are mindful of that, you bear that in mind. And you might notice, oh, this is the important one. Some Pajanya might say, well, it's really feeling kind of really wobbly and shaky now. Let's tend to incline towards bearing the earth element in mind, the stable, this steady, the grounded, wherever you feel that in your body, whether it's just the pressure of sitting on the ground or standing, go for that if you're feeling wobbly or shaky, you know, or ungrounded, which uh, is quite not unusual. Not unusual because of the mind. The mind drags out, spins out, captures us. 
or the earth, or we might say, you know, focus on, um, say you're obsessed with physical appearance, focus on the less pleasing aspects of the body, you know, the, the organs, the internal stuff that never really gets, you know, presented on a kind of fashion display, you know. <laughs> you know. Susan's spleen is nicely dressed in, it's just, they're pretty much, you know, all the same. And you nothing know, much you can do about them to make them look particularly interesting. So, you know, you might say, well, we all got these, you know. So if you're getting a bit heated up and excited over someone's appearance of somebody's external form, then you reflect on, well, you know, that's only a millimeter deep. <laughs> And including one's own form, because you can kind of think, well, you know, pretty, you know, when you're feeling a little bit puffed up about yourself one way or another, then you realize, well, you know, um, what's, it, what's it look like? What's, it, you know, the, the amount of attention that's required to get it to look good sometimes, you know, whatever good is. And then, you know, take away the props, it sort of sags and blotches and crinkles and, you know. <laughs> But maybe that's not your problem. Maybe the problem is more one just feels really sad and depressed and unhappy. Then uh, we might find, well, just going into you know, the, the space or the, uh, these elements of the body where are just grounding your emotions. Or you might, in fact, then turn to what's called the third foundation and say, well, let's bring in an inspiring theme that lifts my heart, devotion, affection, generosity, gratitude, recollecting the skills that I've done, at least all the damage that I haven't done. You know? <laughs> You've got to bear that one in mind sometimes. Because we are, the mind is like an elephant and tamed, it's beautiful, wild, it, it's the most dangerous thing going. You know, it, it will kill. Uh, it will kill us. So these these fields, so we look within the, that field of body as what's supportive, what's conducive, and that's what Sampajanya is about, what's really helpful right now. This is why, when, in my opinion, you always have to take meditate, meditation techniques with some sense of, you know, like, like discernment, and this one isn't quite working for me right now, you know, or this particular aspect of it doesn't, doesn't bring me to a good place. That's what Sampajanya is about. It's a, you know, that's what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'll, I give some general instructions and the other teachers give some general instructions and you can think, well, that one sounds, that one works for me now. Or there may be other ones you've, that work for you. There are broad themes. Basically, uh, is it skillful? Is it, does it have good intention, virtue involved with it? Does it lead towards dispassion, towards understanding, towards good, you know, or does it lead to somewhere stressful, um, unpleasant, uh, give rise to the wrong mental attitude? You know, so you keep Sampajanya as your guide, full awareness. The nature of a field is that all the elements in the, f- all those factors in the field will operate in the same principles. 
And what all these print, what all these fields have in common, is that the the everything within them arises and passes. It changes. It moves along. That's its. They're the fundamental qualities that unify them. The quality of the mind field is uh, it's it's always uh, everything in the mind is associated with uh, perceptions, feelings, inclinations, or intentions or inclinations. So just as I said, you know, in the body you have sensations, you have energies, you have feelings. That's what unifies, that's the body's field. In, in terms of the mind, you have, instead of sensations, you have uh, perceptions, which are mental impressions. Mental impressions, friendly, uh, interesting, frightening, um, boring, you know, these mental impressions. And those are the ones that, you know, and they're unpleasant or pleasant, and that gets us going one way or another. We either, oh, I don't want any more of this, or this is, I'm getting out of here, or I want to be with that. You know? So that sets up inclination, or it's called, or sometimes translated as intention or volition. It's the movement of the mind, the way that the mental energy moves. You know? So if something really interesting happens, something really exciting, your mind rushes towards it. You know? Something terrible, your mind rushes the other way. You know? Something beautiful, you, you light up. Something depressing, you close down. That's, that's, that's mental energy. Mm-hmm. That's the inclination of it. It's a reflex. Now, so all, all, all that we call mind is, is this. Now, mind is, so mind is not a thing. Mind is a, a, a network or a feedback network of feelings, perceptions, and inclinations. Inclinations set the targets, the trajectories, perceptions and feelings touch off, touch, trigger, and the inclinations set up, go. And then from the result of the inclinations, you know, where the inclinations take us to or arrive at is another set of uh, perceptions and feelings. Feeling safe, feeling happy, feeling whatever, you know, we call it feeling, but it's really a, a, a mind state, you know, a temporary state, and, and the state is temporary, it changes, shifts. That, that's mind, whether it's good, bright, happy, miserable, depraved, profound, sacred, it's, that's what it operates around, does that. It's not a thing, remember, it's not a thing, it's a series of processes but it takes on the, the appearance of the, of the thing because some of these processes become so habitual, so the, the, the loop becomes so established that that's my mind. It is depressed. It is bitter. It is, you know, but, you know. But even then we recognize that we're not always one of these. We generally have our, you know, five or six, seven different tones of mind, the happy mind, the compassionate mind, the angry mind, and so on. So the Buddha listed some of these when he talked about the third foundation. This is the mind under the effect of um, greed, or under the effect of joy, or under the effect of uh, samadhi, or under the effect of distraction, or 
constricted mind or a liberated mind. Yeah. So the, these these are the these are the effects where the energies go. So now it's good to remember that mind is not a thing, at least as an idea. You contemplate that because then it's not a thing. You know, it's not because sometimes it seems like this thing that's haunting me, or it's thing that's always stuck, or this. Whatever I do, I can't get away from this thing. Yeah. Uh, and that thing becomes myself. That thing becomes my, myself. So a particular problem, stuck, energy, perception, it just keeps coming back and back and back. That's who I am, that's what I am, that's what I've got to live with, that's my nature, that's it. You know, I am like this. I am compulsive, I am flaky, I am noble, I am misunderstood. You know, <laughs> you know the, these, with all their tonalities, keep happening. Now, because it's not a thing, it does mean that with skillful inclinations, skillful intentions, and through the power of mindfulness and full awareness, it's possible to start to get into those loops, those circuits, those that network, and say, "Well, take a left there, you know. <laughs> Don't go there. Go go that way, or just you know, at that particular point when you jump to that conclusion, just pause, wait, pause. So you can start to put some. Um, you can interfere with some of these repetitive patterns that make one feel so trapped and stuck." And as I said, with, same, with, uh, with any feeling, the, the fundamental uh, first step is called sangwara or restraint. I mean, just check, just pause before you go in there. You know, you, something has touched you, something has affected you, you know, powerful. Just wait, 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 just pause. If, can you pause for even a moment? In that pause, perhaps, maybe the best thing to do is just try to feel your body. Try to feel your body in any way that you can. Because that will take you, gives you a, a, takes you out of the feedback loop of the mind to a certain extent. It gives you some, a refuge from being caught in that, in that spiral, in that vortex of the mind. The mind over the mind is powerful and is dangerous. You know, it's dangerous. You see all, you know, the amount of destruction the human beings have done in the world and to each other through the mind. You know? And of course, we can also reflect on the amount of good we've done through the mind. It is a powerful vehicle for good and for evil. You don't want to mess with it, really. You've got to be really responsible for that. And your first responsibility is check, pause, and then, well, how is this in my body? If you want a kind of uh, quick technique, you know, there's, there's one for you. You know, how is this in my how is this in my body? Where is my body right now? And because the body and the mind have similar um, patterns, they're both affected by feeling. They're both feeling systems. And because they also both have uh, uh, their energetic systems then we can, it's like, 
you have a tame elephant and you take it next to the wild elephant and you kind of link the two together the tame elephant starts to calm the wild elephant down and the Buddha used this analogy he said if you want to tame a wild elephant you know, you've, got to, you've got to get a tame elephant elephant that's been tamed and then you take it out into the, into the forest with a wild elephant and they recognise each other because they are same thing. The tame elephant then gets close to the wild elephant, then you kind of link the two together, and the tame elephant sort of stroke, strokes the wild elephant, and it, okay, here we are, you know, okay, and then they feed the wild elephant some bananas and stroke his ears, and it gradually calms down, and they take, then the wild tame elephant leads the wild elephant to a place where it can be um, rested and, and given kindness and attention and so forth. Now, we can do this, you know, with, uh, so we can do this just uh, most immediately, perhaps with the body, you know, where is this in your body? And then you're feeling, you know, nervous or agitated and you feel this kind of fluttering in your belly. Okay, there's that. But because the body doesn't do perceptions or interpretations, it's a much easier place to discharge that, that, that energy. Now, the, the, why the mind spins these incredible loops, and, and you'll find that, when you, as we all do, when you get into something, it just builds up and repeats and repeats and repeats, and perhaps it gets even more intense, is because of the feedback of perception. Now, perception says, yeah, this is terrible, this is frightening, this is horrible, this is frightening. And, you get that thing. and it just keeps going. And I don't want to be frightened. It's terrible, it's frightening, it's horrible, it's frightening. It just spins and spins and spins. It doesn't know where else to go except to talk to itself. So it just keeps spinning and spinning and spinning and escalating. Because the mind's nature is basically uh, an effective system of being affected. It's, affected, it's affected by being affected. It's affected by being affected by being affected. <laughs> And then it doesn't want to be affected by being affected by being affected. But that's another effect. And it just goes on and on and on. You know, there's no end. It's like a lake with the ripples just keep going out. So, you know, when the mind is on a, on a roll like that, when it's getting angry or frightened or, or lustful, it's just this builds up, this I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, I like wanting, I enjoy it, I like that kind of heat and rush. And you, you know, you're going, you realize this thing is just now going over the edge. Pause, check, stop. <laughs> Red flag time, you know. And uh, so, where's this in the body? Now, the body just goes feeling energy, energy, feeling. It doesn't do that escalation. That's, it doesn't do that build up, it just feels. And then, you, and then, then you, as you're just holding the feeling or the energy in your body, breathing in, and you, within the body, you'll find that somewhere, and generally it's the breathing that you can steady. The tamed elephant is there, and the wild elephant feels the tamed elephant, and it starts to just soften, release, and then that feeling, energy starts to shift, and pour, relax. So you, that's a basic uh, calming technique and we do this all the time 
you know, whether we're meditating or not meditating, you know, simple thing, you know, feeling a bit upset, we'll take a deep breath. <sighs> or go for a walk, feel your body walking, you know. Or if somebody else is having a really bad time, then maybe put your hand on their shoulder, something like that. Just here we are, it's okay, I'm here, you know. Well, this is something that's just standard human behavior throughout the world. You know, we, we bring the presence of a steady body to the agitated mind. And it, it, it entrains, it listens to that, it can feel that, okay, it finds some ground. The, what the, so what the perception will do, which is this memory, you could say another way of looking at perception is, is memory, um, like, oh, you know, that was really unfriendly. It was really an unfriendly thing to say or do. I am, be- I am, I am, lo- I have no friends. I've never had a friend in my life. It's all, I'm something wrong with me, you know, and so it builds up. And I remember yesterday somebody did that, and a week ago somebody did that, and you know, and the other year somebody did that, and they're all unfriendly. Therefore, you know, add them all up. Life is miserable. People are unfriendly. I am loathsome, you know. So we line up the dots. And most of us have got quite a few dots we can line up, yeah. Because sometimes, true, people are unfriendly. <laughs> you know, or, or we do, do get abused or, or hurt or dumped and so on. Then when the perception takes over, suddenly all of the, all the dump dots line up. All of the hurt dots line up. And you get this big pattern established itself. And then this is what I am. This is all I, I always am. I'm like this. I am, you know. Or we get a perception having done something what we call wrong. And we all have these. These are very powerful triggers. Even if we haven't done something wrong, we think we might have done something wrong. Or we might be about to do something wrong. Or there's something that we should have done we don't know yet. (laughs) We don't know what we should have done. And because we don't want to look foolish, we don't want to ask anybody what we should have done because we should know (laughs) what we should have done. So because we should know what we should have done, we don't want to ask anybody what we should have done because we should know. So probably there's something we should have done that we haven't done, but you can't ask anybody about it because you shouldn't do that. You don't want to disturb anybody, be a nuisance. But there's some, so there's something wrong here. But I don't know what it is. <laughs> so if there's something wrong here, I don't know what it is, I'll imagine... Um, there's something wrong with me. <laughs> because the, you know, though the perception can take us to these incredible places of guilt which have almost no, no foundation apart from the uneasiness of not knowing, of uncertainty, or the social sense. As I said, everyone's the odd one out, so we always assume everybody else has kind of 
got it together, oh dear. And, uh, but I don't want to let anybody know because then I'll really be the odd one out. People will know that I don't know. So I'll, I'll sort of try and go along with what everybody else is doing. Yeah. And then, so some, somebody zips their jacket up, so everybody starts zipping their jacket up. <laughs> That's what we should be doing. So this, this um, sense of the, the uncertainty around our apparent self, because we want that to be stable and accepted and, and uh, agreeable. So much so that when we're trying so hard to get it right, to make sure it's right, people, people say, why are you always being so perfect all the time? It really annoys me. Why can't you relax? <laughs> So I think we could get it wrong again. <laughs> and once, you, once we entrain towards this sense of self, just bear in mind this sense of self is, is, a, is, a, is a need system. It's a certain hunger system. It's a certain fulfill me experience. So it never feels fulfilled. So there's something wrong with me. No, that's, no, there's nothing wrong with that. That's the way that it is. You, we, that's the way that system is, that particular self-system. Now you can, but it can be trained. It can be eased out. You can come out of that because of these Qualities as you know, mindfulness, full awareness, uh, virtue, uh, right view, uh, faith. Um, you know, all these lovely lists that are presented. You, know, you can actually come out of that particular cramp, where the sense of self starts to loosen, open, and eventually begins to evaporate. Something like that. Doesn't mean there's no, you know, we can't operate. It's just you're not operating with that limp, with that funny thing, that funny sense in the mind weighing you down, muttering, nagging, mumbling, fearing, doubting. <clears throat> or feeling it's one, you know, or the other extreme, you know, feeling I'm great, what's the matter with everybody else? You know? which is that it needs to prove itself as being uh, great and so on. So this feedback of mind, where else is that? Where else is that sense of self being created but through perceptions and inclinations and feeling? And every one of those perceptions is subject to change, shifts, the inclinations subject change they shift but one of the most powerful inclinations there is is for permanence it's for things to be steady and stable and to be a permanent steady self and you know, in, in, uh, particularly when this is associated with uh, organization 
social groups, performance, work, you know, to be there nine to five, steady, reliable, constant, unchanging. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the eight. That's the sort of, that would be the optimal, wouldn't it? She's always there on time. She's always doing this, exactly right, totally predictable, and, you know, nine to five and then gone, nine to five then gone, steady, reliable, and uh, doesn't get things like get sick or have bad moves or mistakes and so on. So there's a strong, though this never happens, there's a sort of uh, corporate idea that that would be the best. So we try to get there. We try to be more linear and organized and so on. And this is, of course, uh, puts an incredible pressure on something whose nature is not to be linear and organized, but the continual changing feedback loops, moving, shifting around, sensitive uh, in the present, affective, responding, not automatic, not programmed. And there are various powerful programmings, you know, to try to make that linear, predictable, reliable, solid, permanent, lasting, just this, just be the way you like this always. Mm-hmm. It can be in our work, it can be in our relationships, it can be, you know, or even what we expect of ourselves. Now, training this uh, mind means that instead of trying to hold it as a, as a permanent solid thing, we can see that there are particular themes and intentions that we can establish that don't exactly make it solid, but make it um, coherent, not erratic, doesn't break down. Because generally what happens is the more solid and predictable and programmed you are, that's such a a pressure on the mind that it cracks up. <laughs> a friend of Ajahn Amaro's, he, his, they had the, these uh, mother, two mothers had two sons, and then one son was kind of well-meaning guy, but a bit sort of sloppy and erratic, and you know got got the bees in the. In class, and the other one was totally ace on everything, you know, number one on everything, and got the pre prime grades and firsts on everything, you know. And they were very proud, and the mother with a somewhat wonky <laughs> son was always looking with envy at the mother who got this perfect son, and then this perfect son got this job and became a, you know, high, high flyer in the, in the business world for a few years. And then one day they went to the office and he found he'd just shot himself. You know, it was like the, the pressure of being you know, perfect, reliable, constant, always on the ball. The mind just break, cracks up. It happens, doesn't it? You know, performance drives people to these places of deep tension and stress. It drives people into you know, psychological difficulties and so on, the pressure. 
So really, more sane is to is to recognize that the the, the normal human being, the norm, standard of normal human being, is slightly wacky. <laughs> you know, you know, a few few interesting tilts and. Uh, and, but it, it can, it, it's, it's not held in that, it's not determined to be wacky, it just is. And it, it, it's generally, the moral intention can be good with that. You know, we can be uh, um, forgetful or, um, you know, particular habits, but yet there can be a standard quality of good intention, generosity, kindness, patience, non-abuse with that. And then this is, this is, so this entrains the particular, that mind is entrained in that way. So you entrain, entrain the mind with particular uh, supportive themes, not so much in terms of performance and exterior, cri- exterior criteria, but in terms of intention. So intention is the dominant uh, thing in the mind that we can really have some say over. So intentional inclination, when it is, when we're not responsible for that, when we're not handling that, when we're not meeting that, when we're not aware of it, gets captured by sense desire, gets captured by imaginations and fears, gets captured by social pressures, gets captured by these Becoming and non-becoming gets captured by views and opinions, gets captured by notions of self. I am, I'm not, I should be, I could be, what was I, what will I be, will I ever, I never will. These, these, it gets captured by those. And then it starts to wobble, shake, run around, you know, and trying to hold on to something. So these intentions and inclinations, they're not conscious decisions. The English word intention isn't that good a translation um, because they're not deliberate. Sometimes they are, but sometimes they're not deliberate decisions. They're more like reflexes, assumptions that we haven't really explored, that we haven't really questioned. They've just been there and well, you, you follow them. Yeah. So like that. And this, this quality of, of assumption and not being clear, and uh, you know, it's called delusion. And of the three unskillful roots, greed, hatred or aversion, and delusion, the Buddha says, well, you know, greed is slightly blameworthy. You know, it's, it's not very good. Uh, and, but it is relatively easy to let go of. <laughs> Believe it or not. <laughs> Aversion, hatred, is really pretty blameworthy. It really does. It's directly harmful. And again, it's, it's, not, it's not so difficult to drop. Delusion is very difficult to drop. Because you don't know delusion. <laughs> That's what delusion means. We don't know delusion. The ability to not know or ignorance. You don't know what you don't know. And he said that, but the most important factor then 
for delusion is what's called deep attention or wise attention or considered attention, yoni so manasikara, which means you, you pause around an assumption, you check, that's the sangwara, the restraint, you check. What is that assumption? What is that? Well, yeah, I think I'll do. Well, everybody does. Ah, oh, never will. Sure, I'm always like that. Wait, whoop, stop, pause. What is that? Now, it's always believable. Nobody's completely daft. So it's always believable. And we can always find some dots to link up, to back it up. I am like this because that, 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 therefore proved it, you know. But with wise, deep attention, you, just, you, say, you, you go past the topic and the perceptions, yeah, which are, has always got some truth in it. It's always relatively believable. You can realize that the mind can assemble reality at the drop of a hat, you know, quicker than that. What gives it its conviction is energy the energy. So when you get really impassioned, a lot of energy rushes that way, doesn't it? When you get really frightened, a lot of energy rushes that way. When you get really angry, a lot of energy rushes that way. So with wise attention, you say, what's the energy with this? Wait a minute. Where's the energy going? You know, where's that sense of being filled and flooded uh, with guilt, with doubt, with worry with fear yeah. it's always the, the topic is always believable don't stay with the topic you'll just keep going on and on and on and on and on it'll re- keep reiterating and adding more to it go to the energy feeling shaky feeling fire feeling clenching feeling bristling where's that in the body now come out of the feedback loop of the mind just into the body and once you come into the body you know you'll immediately get the sense of this isn't good <laughs> you know this is making me feel sick this is this is making me you know unbalanced it's uh, it's not it's not steady it's not present you know however apparently true it is it's not good it's not right your body you immediately know that and it's okay here we are with, uh, you know, the, the whatever it is, steady, widening, feeling the whole of your body, the soles of the feet, the width of your body, the space around you, just resting in that and referring that energy pattern to the larger sense, the, la- the whole body, breathing in, breathing out, feeling the whole body breathing in, breathing out. And what that happens is that particular energy pattern which has been formed, shaped into a particular pattern starts to unfold. You know, we might liken it to uh, a cu- you know, water that's coming down a hose pipe, so it's quite a narrow stream with a lot of pressure in it, and then you suddenly put it into the lake. and woof, Where's that pressure gone? It's just released. You didn't have an attitude about it. You didn't criticize it, you didn't blame it, you didn't understand it, you didn't analyze it, you didn't change it. You said, put, it, put that into the big lake and just see what happens. You know, sense of, 
Oh, right. Hmm. Here we are. Okay. So that's another piece. So checking, pausing, sangwara, restraint. Then investigation or wise attention. Yoni so manasikara. This is a wisdom faculty. Wisely attend. What does this feel? What is this doing? Where's it going? Is this going towards suffering, stress, or is it going out of it? That's all you want to know. You don't want to know any more of the history, the story, the I am's, the they never. You don't want any more of that. You really don't want any more of that. <laughs> what you want to know is, is this, is this going towards suffering, stress, or is it going out of it? <laughs> and you can know that pretty, pretty quick. You know that in your body pretty quickly. This is going to a bad place. This is going, so, and then just, okay, and then widening your body reference, breathing in, breathing out, resting, letting, letting the energy settle. Because that's what energy does. Energy is not good or bad. So the energy of anger is not bad. It's just intense, fiery, the energy of, of uh, doubt is not bad. It's just swinging this way, that way. It's not bad. It just does that. As a, as a behavior, it's certainly unskillful, but as an energy, energy is the energy. Yeah. So there's no moral you know, imputation around that. It's, not, it's just that's that. And then you put it into an energy which is more steady, spacious, and it, the energy starts to sh- settle, rather like, you know, putting a, a narrow jet of water into a wide lake. It just settles. It's, it settles. When it settles, which is the, uh, that very important stage, steadying, then again, we might, wow, what was that? You know? And then you might, in fact, then look, address that perception that triggered the, the whole process as, well, there it was. You know, that perception of... of what was really in that? You, know, you, found a, you found a vantage point when you can begin to unpick some of these perceptions. These perceptions or felt meanings, personal interpretations, they are the, the story writers of our lives. They're the, story, they're the ones that write the stories. You know. So in that perception, you, know, you get the, that sense of... Uh, you know, the failure or the um, mistaken or, you know, or whatever it is. I mean, we look at that, you know, attend to that from that wide, spacious place. And then, then what's really needed now? When you get to the real bit which sticks, is sticking into your heart, the bit that's sticking into your heart. That's always all these stories have always proceeded from that bit. You know, one of those bits. The, all those stories and the lineups of the dots have always come from this one little bit. And you go just to that bit. What does it? What does it need? What is needed here? Maybe nothing. Maybe just that openness is all that's needed. It just starts to relax.
And, but then with that, it's important not to add something like, what this needs is, I'll sort it out. No, no, that's, you're doing, that's coming to the wrong place. The interesting thing is that the, the release from suffering occurs at the same place as the origin of suffering. If you get down to the, the place, the real point, and you just ask the right question and have the right attitude, the release happens. Something arises, something is catalyzed by that sense of fundamental goodwill and steadiness. Something happens, something comes up. Maybe it's just you sigh, you know. Oh, or it could be something in your body, or you suddenly realize, something you realize is, well, everybody's like that. <laughs> and it's not the concept, it's the sense of the relief, because at this time, one is no longer, the, f- the loop of continuing to act upon that or push it away. Those two energies of, of either becoming, which is, you know, continue to escalate along that, continue along that trajectory is the becoming energy, or of the non-becoming energy, which is to suppress, to annihilate, to get away from, to stop, to not feel. When you stop those two, <laughs> that's all that's needed, really. There is, you might say, to look at another way, there is a fundamental sanity. There's a fundamental <coughs> health. There's a fundamental rightness and sanity that, that's there for us. And it's not about becoming something. It's not about suppressing something. It's, it has no particular push, drive. It's not an energy in that, in that sense. It doesn't move. It doesn't change. It's changeless and it's spacious, it has no particular movement, pressure, inclination, and it's there for us. Sometimes it feels like stillness, sometimes it feels like space, sometimes it feels like compassion, sometimes it feels like freedom, whatever name you want to put on it, you know, but there is that. If there was not this, there would be no way out of suffering. If there were not this, there would be no, absolutely no way out of suffering. Because there is this, there is the way. And this is the only way. <laughs> that is the, it's, that's the only way out, is to that. Beauty of it is you, you have that. You are, you, it's there for you. But it's maybe the peace that one has overlooked being caught in the loops and the spins and the buzz and the reactions and the resonances, being so bound in those, so affirmed in those, so much believing this is what I am, this is what everybody is, you know, even trying to perfect some of those reactions so I can be, you know, actually working on them to get to be the best, become the best kind of thing, Uh, you know. So sometimes we really you know, side with those energies of becoming and non-becoming. But there's a place which is not that. It's called the unbecome or the non-becoming. It's not the same as the annihilation. It's just that it's, it's not doing that thing of suppressing, pushing away, adverting, or increasing, formulating, 
you know, it's just the stillness of space. The Buddha said, there is this, and if there were not this, there would be no release from the cycles. This exactly is where samsara is, this cycling of the mind. So just to kind of repeat that, you know, you first, as you steady, come into your, your body-mind, breathing or being with your body or being, you know, just witnessing what's going on. You come into a place where you're, you have a field, you have a field of awareness, it's there. You know? You're not just one point, next point, this point, that point, there's a sense of a field where you can steady and within that, it's like, you know, you contemplate the movements, the changes, and then you start to, something comes in, doesn't it? Something comes in. Somewhere in, in those loops, there's the bit that hasn't been resolved yet. It may not be nothing much, it may be nothing much. And then pause, check. Why open up, widen, and then how's this in the body, the bodily sense? Can I be with this? Can I meet this in the body? And what's the real point here? It's like it's often one word. You know, like it could be can't do not allowed, you know, something like it could be just one simple thing like that that's really the point and then right there holding that point carefully, what really is needed now here in your space what really is needed wait, let let the your natural health, your natural sanity kind of respond to that As we look in the sutta, we can recognize that the Buddha, when he presents, this is the mind, you know, infatuated, this is the mind aversion, this is the mind joyful, this is the mind bright, this is the mind, he, one knows it, this is the mind affected by this. This is the mind affected by this. And you look through the text and say, well, what are you supposed to do about it? And there isn't. <laughs> <laughs> You just know this is the mind affected by this. You go, yeah. What am I supposed to do about it? <laughs> it's knowing, and knowing is knowing it in your body, knowing it in in that empathic way, investigating, fully knowing it with your with your sanity, with your wisdom then stuff shifts, can happen. Okay.